Small molecules are, so let's pay attention to this, are any compounds, any compounds of molecular weight around or under 3,000 Daltons. And with chemical characteristics, they preclude their description as DNA, RNA, or proteins. So any compound, and I'm emphasizing this because there's so wide variety of them, and we often do not even mention them, but they are regulating almost everything in the body. It's not the, the other way around. We're going to discover this soon. So the small molecules are any compound of a small molecular weight, and you do not have DNA, RNA, proteins. These small molecules have a critical biological function in humans. They control immune functions, the development of sexual characteristics, stress responses, metabolism, mineral balance, and many, many other things. And one of them in higher organisms are called hormones. There are many others that are not hormones. I'm just giving you this as one example. But isn't it interesting now to look at the hormones from this perspective? The hormones really are just the small molecules, one of the many examples of small molecules. They're tiny, tiny. They didn't have nuclear. They didn't have DNA, RNA. Yet they're powerful. If you are lucky, you know, I had a guy five, six years ago. Uh, he married a young woman, and they wanted to have a baby together. They couldn't get a baby. Uh, and he went to every fertility clinic he could find, spent tons of money, nothing was going on. So he went to, uh, in Naperville, there is this, this battle logic, you know? The, 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 all these functional medicine centers sprouting. But in my mind, they're doing a lot of stuff that I don't buy into their philosophy. Uh, so they put him on testosterone replacement. You know, a lot of them just focusing on this hormone replacement. And they just destroyed this guy because they gave him so much testosterone that he stopped producing his own testosterone. It took me six months to get him off testosterone, to count his body, to rejuvenate his own testosterone production. And this is a long story we're going to discuss in the future. How do we do that? How somebody who's addicted to testosterone, uh, I don't like to give people end hormones too much. Why do you deal with end hormones? Why don't you go with the beginning? Always go at the source, at the root of the problem, right? So it took six months. And within six to 12 months later, they got a baby. She got pregnant. You know, but this testosterone shots were not helping anything. Actually, six months he was dead. It took, took, took a while to even revive back because he got so addicted to these testosterone shots. So we often, but hormones are so powerful. So this is one example of these small molecules. It's a tiny bit of hormones being up and down. They're going to give you possibly hot flashes and lack of focus and all kinds of stuff. But this is all in the small molecule world. You know, but we need to deal with them in a different level than just always giving people hormones. So uh, in higher organisms, they call hormones for the Greek word that means excite or arouse, a term coined in 1905 by Ernest Sterling. These, these, they are produced by one organ of the body and travel to distant organs to exert physiological functions. We have uh, many hormones, but we also have hormone-like substances. And I mentioned prostaglandins before. You know, prostaglandins are not true hormones, but they have a hormone-like uh, properties in the body. So they also belong to these uh, small molecules. So it's all about signaling. Our knowledge of cellular chemical communication comes from studies of uh, multicellular eukaryotes. Bacteria can also communicate using a sophisticated signaling system. 
there is a wealth of unidentified bioactive small molecules in the human body, originating both from microbial and human cells, and that have important biological functions. So communication and signaling goes in that world as well. This is some example. We can study more at home later on. Initially, these small molecules were uh, mostly this large peptide structure. They have multiple elements. But now we know there are also this uh, smaller one, like uh, you know, arginine, glutamine, GABA, glycine. So there, hormones is just one example. There are many neurotransmitters, uh, hormone-like substances that belong to this world, but many of them, again, are not uh, even known what they do. So this is a four examples of signaling. We have this uh, signaling that goes, uh, sorry, uh, directly as a cell-to-cell -cell signaling. Uh, there is one that goes into the bloodstream or in the stream in general. These are mostly hormones. Uh, then we have these uh, that are uh, paracrine signaling and autocrine signaling when it goes directly cell-to-cell. So signaling goes on a variety level, but the body is constantly signaling. Uh, let me just do something here for my... Um, uh, small molecule mediates the microbe host and microbe-to-microbe -micro interactions. And I'm giving you this slide only just as another example of this small molecule, which said hormones, you know, transmitters, uh, different peptides, hormone-like substances. But there are many examples of things that most, even doctors never heard of, never studied. Microbiota produced a range of small molecules for various classes with distinct targets. So these are four examples. For example, this one, uh, and I know this is flying over your heads, it's flying over my heads. I'm intentionally giving you a, a taste of things most people never heard of, never studied, just to show you how, how wide and diverse this world is. For example, this non-ribosomal peptide, tilivalin, whose host target is the unknown. And I can give you so many examples of that that have similar centers. Then we have this ribosomally synthesized and post-translationally modified peptide, microsin, a narrow-spectrum antibacterial. Then we have something called lipid A, this indole propionic acid, a reductive metabolite of tryptophan that enters host circulation, but whose biological activity is poorly understood. I chose these molecules for this synthesis, poorly understood. So pharmaceutical world is scrambling now to find drugs for this. They understand how powerful it is. So in the pharmaceutical world, this is the next stage and center of research to try to find drugs to, to deal with this because they understand now how this is even bigger than genome. But it's poorly understood. They don't still understand the, the interaction, how it works. So these metabolites are each produced by different species of the microbiota. So we have this whole rich world, and then you have a patient who has maybe a minor issue and the doctor prescribes antibiotics. What happens with antibiotics? Wipes them all off. And then it takes years to, to recover back. Uh, so this uh, link here, I would encourage you strongly to go home and click on this link and actually read the whole article. This is one of the best articles I found on this small, small uh, molecule signaling. And I'm going to give, give, give a couple of quotations. Uh, it's a small molecule world. 
So let's just read a little bit together here. Small molecules are produced in the intestine by both host and microbial cells. They can exert direct effects on whole cells and vice versa. Uh, but let's go further down to the sentence and go here to this uh, second part. Such molecules can reach the bloodstream and exert effects on remote organs such as the brain, lungs, and pancreas, as well as other intestinal sites. They can also affect energy balance and the impact of obesity. How about what I mentioned to you that I never do weight loss? So these molecules can affect obesity. And other diseases of the organs mentioned above, autism, depression, allergy, diabetes, inflammatory bowel disease. You know, talking about autism, we can now spend the whole lecture just on this. That's why autism starts at a small age, when these small molecules are being developed and then they're not being developed properly. And now we can talk forever uh, of, of what causes that, and we should talk about it, but they are de developed in this small molecular world where they are not properly developed. Once harvested and studied, these compounds can be used for a multitude of purposes. They can serve several therapeutic roles as antibiotics, anti-cancer therapies, anti-inflammatories, antidepressants, probiotics, among others. So now you see why, why pharmaceutical companies are scrambling to understand that because they believe they can develop a new uh, form of antibiotics and so on. Since its discovery, so this is one of the most important slides for me today. So pay, I know this is a little bit boring when you go just three slides, but pay attention to this. This and next slide. Since its discovery, DNA has been considered the foundation of life. DNA has been considered the foundation of life. Its capacity to store information coupled with its remarkable stability make it the prime candidate for the molecule from which life, as we know, originated. This concept is imprinted in a central dogma which states that DNA holds all genetic information which is passed on to RNA as a messenger molecule and then translated into proteins which constitute the machinery and structure that carry out molecular process signaling, okay? Let me give you an illustration. This is a little bit wordy. I'm gonna to try to dissect this with illustration. Imagine you wanna build a house. What is the first thing you do when you build a house? Brand new house. I'm not talking about finding a lot of place with, you know. What is the first thing you need to do to build a house? You need to find an architect. And hopefully you find a good architect, gonna build a house you want, you know, and architect has to put out every single detail. You cannot even go to the city, you cannot get a permit. You know, years ago I was dreaming to build a house, and realized how expensive it is, how complicated it is, and gave up, you know? Uh, and you need to put every single, architectural job is very complex. To a millimeter, where the bathroom is gonna be, what kind of stud is gonna be there, wall, electrical outlet, you know, every single thing has to be there. But that's allegory and, uh, to DNA. But do architects build a house? We often do not ask these simple questions. And I'm giving you an analogy of the whole medical world and how misguided we are when it comes to how to deal with the answers. So architects do not build a house. Who builds the house? Construction workers. Which construction workers? All kinds. So that's why I'm trying to find illustrations so we can understand this better. So we have electricians, we have plumbers, right? We have 
patching guys and, and you know, people that do drywalling and floors, right? Designers. So this small molecule world is building a house, not architect. Are they both important? Yes, they are. But we understand a lot about the architecture, but we do not talk about a small molecule world, right? Small molecule world is building. And one of the most fascinating small molecules are what? I talked about this last time. Enzymes. And we, have a, we often talk about enzymes only in terms of uh, digestive power. But we have over 100,000 uh, metabolic enzymes. You cannot blink your eye with the enzymes. You cannot move your hand with the enzymes. The only difference between dead person and a live person are enzymes. If you ever went to a funeral, you see the person you know, enzymes. It's a small molecule. Nikola Tesla was fascinated with electricity, but he admitted we do not know what electricity is. We're fascinated with enzymes, but we do not know what enzymes are. This is the greatest mystery in the whole medical world. And medical textbooks will tell you that enzymes are protein molecules, and two doctors who studied this their whole life, it's a stolen nonsense. They occupy protein molecule, but they're not protein molecule itself. You know, they're invisible force. That would be the same as if to say that this light bulb is electricity. Light bulb carries electricity, but it's not electricity itself, right? So we have uh, architects, but we have the small molecules that can be hormones. It can be neuropeptides. It can be neurohormones. It can be neurotransmitters. It can be enzymes. So all these things is what builds into life. But we're going to look now into this interaction. So this is the, the model proposed in the past. And still, probably 99% doctors do not see anything else than this. That we have a DNA exerting influence on the RNA, creating different proteins, and this you know, affects some, some of the small molecule world. But it's not so. And it's not completely so, let's be, be clarified, because they, they both affect each other. So we have now small molecules as important messengers of biological information and function. So DNA encodes genetic information that is passed on to RNA, that's true. Then acts as, as the messenger for the synthesis of proteins, that's true. Protein enzymatic function can then give rise to a plethora of structurally diverse small molecules. But in many cases, these molecules are the primary effectors of biological function acting at the DNA, RNA, and protein levels. So pay attention to this word, effectors. They are affecting. So it's not architect always commanding. And I have seen a blueprint of the house that I bought right now, and I saw the, the architectural picture, but then they came construction workers and said, no, this is not good, because architect was designing from above, you know, not in the real world. And they saw something not done right, it could be done better. And they had to change the blueprint and said, do it this way. In the same way, we can actually affect DNA, we can affect genetics with certain actions in real world. And that is the most fascinating thing to me in the whole science. Stuff we can do to affect stuff. That we can do something to affect stuff. All the both the DNA and RNA having central functions in the maintenance and decoding of genetic information. The real factors of these functions are proteins, 
uh, in the case of these proteins, they represent the end of the road for a given biological property or function. However, the majority of proteins, catalytic activity is the main function, thus extending their biological properties to the products of the reactions catalyze a plethora of structurally diverse small molecules. Catalytic activity often comes from enzymes and small molecules. It is therefore these small molecules that constitute the raison d'etre of biological function in most cases. The reason of existence of these biological functions. Without identifying the static these small molecules, we will not fully understand the functions of metabolic pathways and the interconnections between them. So most of the science is focused above, but not looking at the world below that is actually affecting much more than we think. So the last sentence on the bottom, this should be done not only with the intellectual view toward understanding the molecular intricacies of life in more detail, but also with a practical view of benefiting from what these molecules may have to offer. Did you understand the sentence? Not just intellectually, but practical. I remember I told you from the very beginning I'm a practical guy. I want to see the results. And these small molecules are giving us more of the result. Architect is not going to give a result. Your plumber, electrician will. Something that's noticeable. And this is a combination to me of this small molecule world gut brain axis. Complex bidirectional communicative and regulatory system involving the brain and central nervous system and the enteric environment of the gut. The enteric nervous system does not seem capable of, of thoughts as we know it, but it communicates back and forth with our big brain with, with profound results. For decades, researchers and doctors thought that anxiety and depression contributed to these problems. But our studies and others show that it may be also be the other way around. This is Dr. Jay Wasriha, director of John Hopkins Center for Neurogastroenterology. So anxiety and depression could be and should be dealt for a different perspective than just manipulating the brain. This is a powerful stuff. This is a total paradigm shift, how we approach medicine, if you understand it properly. And my favorite doctor and author in this whole information is Candace Perth. How many of you know Dr. Candace Perth? She wrote landmark book, The Molecule of Emotion. She's the first doctor ever to have gotten PhD proving mind-body connection, proving what is in your mind can actually physically create a physical molecule, okay? This is stunning. So uh, read this sentence, we need to get it. For Pert, the body's information system has two major elements. The chemical substances, the chemical substances, material stuff, known neuropeptides, and the receptors into which they fit. Neuropeptides are produced by nerve cells in the brain, and when they lock into their receptors, which are attached, attached to other cells in the body, they make something happen or prevent from happening. So they're signaling again. Uh, Pert outlines a new view of the body's internal conversation, a conversation that appears to be remarkable, flexible, varied, and subtle. Remarkable, flexible. We, it's not written in stone. Varied and subtle. For example, certain immune cells carry all the receptors identified so far, which means presumably they can be affected by a wide range of messages. Okay. So what we are actually discovering here 
is a mystery. That you actually, we saw this in the first section when we talked about mindful eating and joy and enthusiasm. And now we're looking, that was the upper part of the body. Now when you look at the lower part of the body that through contest research that we can actually affect even these small molecules with our mind. It's not only the other way around. So there is something mystical about human beings that is beyond just physical gastrointestinal There is something about your mind deciding, as I said, every second you have enough worries in life to worry about something, enough positive things, and whatever your slant, some people have a positive slant, some people have a negative slant. So what are you deciding today after you leave this lecture for the rest of the day is up to you. We actually have a willpower and this is stunning discovery for me that we actually, based on this research of counterspurs of small molecules, we actually have a willpower to have better gastrointestinal tract. Is that remarkable? You have a willpower to be a happier person. It may not happen in one day, it takes time, but you can create a habit to not be all grumpy man or woman. And this trans translates into real molecules and real small molecules are changing and affecting your proteins, affecting your RNA, and affecting your DNA. It's my, like my house where construction workers actually modify the blueprint of architect and say it's not so. So it can actually affect the small molecules and actually shut off the genes, and you do not have to have double mastectomy because you can actually shut off bad genes. And there is actually action that you can do it to do that. So my body connection is actually visible in every area of life, but it's, in my mind, the most profound in this gastrointestinal tract. And to me, this is the greatest highlight in discovery, how much mind affects all this stuff. You know? So those are my major, uh, really, highlights. There's the salivary world and the importance of the 2%. And this mind-body connection, the importance of this small molecular world, how they are actually more powerful than the architect. They are more powerful than DNA. And now we're going to go just briefly to the stuff that you probably know, but I'm going to give you some practical solutions. Uh, shaping of the human meta metabolism. I'm going to go a little bit faster to the slides. And uh, do you see here this division right, right here? It shows H3. So really, it takes from the beginning of a fetal kind of development and the baby and growing, uh, it, it takes about three years. And by three years of age, the human microbiome becomes kind of more stable and mature. That's why kids are more affected the first three years of life if you eat, let's say, non-organic food or they're exposed to pesticides. So protect your kids. first three, I would say even up to five years, they are much more susceptible. That's why kids that have autism develop in the first three years. You know? That's why, in my mind, vaccines are very injurious. Because it's not about vaccine, it's about if you have this, you know, a juvenile ages like mercury, when you eat something, it's not so dangerous. When you inject it, University of Calgary had a study on this, it's, it's powerful. And some kids survive that, some don't. Don't survive very well. Because first three years, the enzymatic system, microbiome is not developed. So kids are more, more susceptible to damage. 
if they got the same vaccine at age five, probably would not affect them so much, but it does for us three years. Uh, cesarean section. We know women that have cesarean section, the babies do not have proper microbiome because there is in vaginal walls, there is proper microbiome that is being past the baby. So even uh, this geocolonization begins in utero. Uh, antibiotics, even official CDC site says, we know this, is recommending that we are over-prescribing antibiotics. Did you know this, that you, everybody sitting here in this room, person to person, you have a 99.99% .99 similarity in your genome, but you have only 10% similarity in your microbiome. That's how different we are, you know? And to some degree, we deal with this diversity. So we are outnumbered 10 to 1. 90% of who you are is in the gut. How can 90% of you fit in such a small area because there's a bacteria that's smaller in size? But 90% of who you are is in the gut. We have about 20,000 genes, uh, but microbes have 2 to 20 million genes. We are outnumbered. And Every time you want to eat sweets, and you go around and say, oh, I really want to eat something sweet, it's not you that want to eat sweets, it's them. <laughs> and it's a powerful discovery when you realize it's not you, it's them. There is somebody who is them. And I said I'm going to discuss this uh, hijacking. They're being hijacked. It's them. Many, many years ago, I had a patient who challenged me. He said, she said, I'm going to listen to everything you say, but can we agree right now I'm not going to stop eating sweets? I'm addicted to sweets, and let's not even discuss that, because every doctor I go to tell me to stop eating sweets. I said, fine. I see I have a very interesting person in front of me. And I said, can we make a deal? Can we, kind of, can we, can we negotiate? Can you just not eat sweets only for 10 days? And take products I'm going to give you, but just 10 days. She said, fine, okay, I'll, I'll negotiate 10 days. So 10 days she didn't eat sweets, and she took ADP, disbiocet, abscisatyl, caprin, my products, right? 10 days later she comes to me and says, wow, what did you do to me? I said, what's going on? I lost desire to eat sweets. So what did we do? We killed them. They hijacked her to believe that she wants to eat sweets, but it's not, it was not her, it was them. So this small molecular world can be bad guys too, and they're so smart, and they can send the messaging system into the bloodstream, convincing that it's her, but it's not her. So next time you want to eat that ice cream, remind yourself it's them. The hijacking system convincing you so well that it's you, but it's not you. And it's just who you are hosting in your body. Allergies and asthma. I'm going to really go much quicker to this slide. So all these small molecular water and probiotics affect allergies and asthma. Sensitization, why some people get sensitized to some foods and some people don't, depends on microbiome, depends on the small molecular world. Uh, low immune status, insomnia, cognitive decline, you know, uh, all of this affected with microbiota. And I'm going to explain some of this terminology. There is often confusion and people think this is intermittently and, and kind of interchangeably used. It's not true. So a microbiota is collection of a community of microbes, whatever microbes you have in the body. Microbiome is microbiota plus whatever ge genetic material they have. So that's what microbiome is. Microbiota plus genetic material. And metabolome 
its microbiome plus its collective metabolites. And we can study some of this stuff, okay? Um, dysbiosis is whenever we have imbalance inside the body, small intestinal bacterial overgrowth, SIBO, it just increased number of bad guys that now cause inflammation, cause this epithelial damage, and I'm not gonna to talk too much about it, I promise you that at the beginning, but I will talk about solutions to that. Uh, this is location of gut bacteria in the intestinal system. Uh, not one size fits all, there are people that have a, a very different kind of uh, microbio bio, uh, microbiome and metabolomes and still survive. Uh, the human ecosystem. Micro microbes can be found everywhere, skin, mouth, stomach, intestines, urogenitals. Sometimes we have a weird cases of people who have prostatitis, yet they have prostate cancer, uh, and they have just inflammation, or women having kind of you know, issue with the vaginal area, and it can be just microbiomes imbalanced. Too much fungi present and not enough of, of uh, good bacteria. Uh, so leaky gut syndrome is really just referring to intestinal system walls not being strong enough. Too many bad organisms developing, affecting the lining, and now we are releasing compounds called LPS, lipopolysaccharides. So they're normal to be in the body, but not released to the intestinal lining. So what is the solution? I'm gonna give you a couple of slides for this because I promise I'm gonna go into the solution. This is my favorite hero, GR Resolve. Uh, Biotics made this just, was it last year what they came out with? And I'm really so excited they made this product. GR Resolve, please make this prime product in your library. I would definitely put in the top 20 products I use, maybe even top 10 especially for initial stages of healing. So this GR Resolve is really smart product. It contains nutrients and ingredients that are gonna heal the lining of the stomach. We're not talking about probiotics, you're not gonna take hold without this. There are no probiotics here. This is just the healing of the, of the lining of the stomach so probiotics can take hold eventually. So there is no such a thing that to use just one product to heal the intestinal lining. You have to use multiple products. This is one of them. So what we have here is a glutamine, which repairs the lining, and acetyl glucosamine. And uh, unfortunately, I didn't have enough chance to combine some of the slides in one, so I have to go to several slides to show you some of the uh, ingenuity of this product. Uh, but probiotics and pathogenic organisms, you cannot have probiotics take hold as long as you have pathogenic organisms present. So the whole idea is here to heal the lining Maybe going to the world with my four products that I mentioned before, ADP, this bias, and, and Catherine, but then continue to use this, then go into healing stage with extra probiotics and uh, butyric calming that I mentioned, essentially fatty acids. So sometimes we go back and forth several times, and I told you in my case, usually we go into three cycles before we fully win the world, the war, and uh, the lining is fully healed. Uh, so probiotics have a powerful effect on all kinds of systems, like you see here, cholesterol-lowering effect, immunomodulatory activity, pediatric, food allergy reduction, you know, 
That's why some people get sensitive, some people don't. Uh, lactobacillus species can reduce inflammation, as proved with the reduction of serum studies of nuclear factor kappa beta. Uh, they can reduce inflammatory compounds like interleukin-6. Probiotics may also stimulate GSH production and reactive oxygen species. Uh, I apologize that I'm going into this stuff. I promise I'm not going to do this, but we're still running short in time, and I want to go to some other slides that are more important to me. Uh, Methosulfonylin methane is one of my favorite products. It's found in GL Resolve, but I also use it separately. It's a sulfur. It's known to reduce inflammatory pathway mediators like interleukin 6 and tumor necrosis factor, homocysteine. It's also effective in extraintestinal cases like arthritis. Uh, uh, this affects positive secretory IgA. Short chain fatty acids. So, this is my next hero. So, I use always these two products together GL Resolve and Butyric Calmac. Jonathan Wright, a famous functional medicine doctor, used to use this test all the time. And this was his major marker if somebody might get colon cancer. He was looking how much butyric acid they have in the body. You know, one doctor said, that, I think Alex Vasquez was talking about this in lecture. He said, you can never easily get too much butyric acid. Always err on the, on, the, on the abundance of them. This is a major way to have your colon healthy. I remember one case many years ago, a woman who had uh, many issues. One of them was uh, constipation. And we went to three-step detox protocol, and she felt better, and everything was done right. And at the end, she still had constipation. And I was scratching my head, like, why constipation when we did everything right? So about a week or two later, she told me one of the visits, you know what? By the way, I didn't take butyric Calmac in your program. I said, why? Well, it was already so many products. I said, well, one less is not going to be a big deal. I said, no, wait a second. That one less was a critical product. Because you cannot have, not have constipation if you don't have enough butyric calmac. This is affecting the colon. This is bifidogenic food. She took butyric calmac for about a few weeks, and constipation was resolved. So it was not me who gave her bad advice. I always tell people, it's a, it's a partnership. I can give you the best advice in the world if you don't follow. So just this alone, omission of that, didn't resolve the problem. And then addition of that resolved several years long problem. You know, so if you have a patient with constipation, this thing may resolve it. It may take a while to do GL resolve and, and resolve a couple of other things, but this one thing can resolve that constipation. So short-chain fatty acids in general are powerful, and they can be produced by bacterial fermentation products, but add some extra bacteriocalmic. I usually use four capsules twice a day for first month or two. Thank you, reduce it down to half. But four capsules twice a day is my dose for the first couple of months. Butyric Calmac. Uh, I also use this product called Column Plus. It's one of the fibers. We have a new fiber that I will be talking about soon. Gastroesophageal reflux GERD. We have a crisis in this country of how many people use this stuff. Uh, there's no point to kill hydrochloric acid. You need it for digestion. This is a case of a woman who had GERD. And when she was giving the GR Resolve by HPF, 
this is the protocol used on her. Uh, she was better, but she still had bloating. After a while, we introduced hydrozyme, and her symptoms disappeared. If somebody has GERD, you do not want to use hydrochloric acid right away. Go into GI Resolve, go into probiotics, go into bacteria Calmac, wait a little bit, HLEs uh, that's going to recover parietal cells, and then wait a little bit for stomach to be strengthened, especially the sphincter, and then add hydrozyme at the beginning of a meal, and more, more, most often bloating is going to go away. Um, so I'm going to stop right here for this because I want to go to something that is very important to me. And that is this, microbiome fiber. So uh, fiber is extremely important. And very often, doctors prescribe just fiber. Just take fiber. But just taking fiber is not good enough. There are all kinds of, usually people go to wheat bran or, or ceiling husks. We are not what we eat. We are what our trillions of gut microbes eat. I told you, you're hijacked. You need to starve the enemy and feed the good guys. So this is a landmark study. In 2006, Professor Jeff Gordon first demonstrated a difference in gut microbiota composition and quantity of micro microbial, microbial metabolites between obese and lean human beings. So we have something here called bacteroidetes and firmicutes. Even if this something sounds like something cute, you know, these cuties are not good for you. <laughs> so these firmicutes may sound cute, but they're causing you obesity. So people that have more of this stuff were consistently obese. That's why some people say, oh, I don't eat too much. What's going on? I eat small meals. I'm hardly eating alone. Look how, how bloated I am. So maybe this person is drinking with meals. Maybe their saliva is not working properly. They, maybe they have mindful eating. Maybe they don't have, they don't have bitter foods. And maybe they don't have the proper fiber in their diet. So this is the obese patients. They had high levels of firmicutes. And lean patients, they had high levels of bacteroidetes. And just changing that changed profoundly their whole levels of BMI, and they lost weight. Just changing that. But how do we get there? That's the question, right? So there are many studies that came after that to confirm the same findings that he uh, discovered. So this host microbe interactions was found to be cr critical. So last year and this year, Boris went to the whole uh, incredible process of, of studying this stuff, how to make a product. And they came with two products. One of them is called bio, uh, Biofiber, and there's this one here, Metabolic Biome Plus. And really excited about this product, and I'll tell you why. Because it is not just the fiber that is important. You are not what you eat. I'm going to go back to the first sentence. It is what you microbiomes eat, your, your, your bacteria. Well, what is this small molecular world eating? You have to choose. And this is going to de determine the difference between lean or obese person. That's why I don't do weight loss, yet people lose weight, if they need to lose weight, right? 
or gain weight. I had a patient with Graves' disease that was so lean, I mean, she was so emaciated, she was like a skeleton. And she gained 20 pounds on a proper fiber and proper diet. You know, she, so there are people who need to gain weight. So proper weight balance. So th there's no even, uh, very often there are different companies that have different products that there's kind of comparison, but there's no even product like this on the market. Nobody makes even something similar to this. This is so unique. It has a special fiber that feeds good bacteria and creates balance between these two. You know, it's gonna make a balance between these two. So this fiber, uh, so there are two products, one that is just a fiber, and there is this one, there's a whole meal replacement. It contains protein from two different sources. It can be the, actually three different sources. It can be whey protein, collagen, or pea protein, and both come in two different flavors, chocolate or regular flavor, right? And so there are six total choices. Sometimes it's confusing when you have too many choices, but some people want choices. And we developed this uh, two-week program for detox last year, and often people were asking what after that, and this was not developed to be after that, but I would say in my mind, it's not just after that, it's anytime. And one of the key ingredients to lose weight, if somebody needs to lose weight, is to have a nutrient-dense food. Calorie restriction, but nutrient-dense food, so you're not craving to eat. So this is it. You have a nutrient-dense food with proper fiber. So I don't know how to emphasize more this point. Is we're always talking about proper protein. But protein is not gonna make you obese. And this whole talk about keto diet, I'm planning to write a whole book to explain how keto diet is wrong. Now we can discuss this whole thing. I know you're gonna probably object and ask me why it's wrong, but it's wrong. In my mind, it's wrong. So this is beyond protein, and everybody's talking about protein-rich diet, but this fiber-rich diet, proper fiber-rich diet, is much more significant issue to understand this small molecule world than proper protein. Yes, protein is important, 100%, I'm for that. But nobody's addressing this proper fiber diet. So it's not only about the fiber, it is what kind of fiber. So this is properly, carefully chosen for the fiber that actually feeds microbiomes in the body, good microbiomes. So uh, there is this glucagon-like peptide, GLP-1, and peptide YY. They're involved in regulation of appetite and body weight. I need to highlight this slide a lot. So GLP-1 and peptide YY are involved in regulation of appetite. This is again explaining why some people do not eat much and still gain weight and it's affecting body weight and it's affecting glucose metabolism. High levels are found in healthier phenotypes. And this is gonna help you to get that. Bitterate, short-chain fatty acids. Reduces inflammation, creates climate favorable for beneficial bacteria to grow, creates, creates less favorable climate for pathogenic bacteria. So you have a win-win situation. You're reducing pathogens, increasing good guys. Whole foods provide diverse approach, high in fiber, high in macronutrients, high polyphenols. So we have three components here. We have polyphenols, influences fiber fermentation because of antimicrobial and prebiotic function. So these biofiber and this have that. It's extremely rich in polyphenol compounds. So these polyphenolic compounds is gonna help to 
be antimicrobial for the bad microbes and increase the good, uh, good uh, bacteria. Then host bacteria increase activity of healthy bacteria in presence of fermented fibers and polyphenols and fiber, potentially influencing polyphenolic catabolism. Uh, polyphenols are found in fruits, vegetables, coffee, tea, and dark chocolate. Plant metabolites that exert probiotic, uh, prebiotic activity. And when metabolized by the microbiota, they produce glycans, foundational nutrition for gut bacteria. So bacteroidetes have more glycan-degrading enzymes to ferment polyphenols to phenolic compounds, exerting a weight-lowering effect. That's why our initial two-week detox program, NutriClear Plus, followed by this, is profound, scientifically defined program they can have long-term effect as well. And if I'm hungry, I like to eat whole foods, and most of the time I eat whole foods, but if I'm hungry, if I'm in a hurry, one packet of this can last me enough for four or five hours that I'm stable because it's a nutrient-dense, has a good fiber, and I'm completely focused as if I ate a whole meal because it's scientifically designed in such a way to provide all this stuff. High antioxidant uh, capacity, but much more, inhibits digestive uh, Enzymes happen in starch, lipid, and protein digestion to reduce energy efficiency, reduces inflammation, modulates glucose homeostasis, suppresses adipogenesis. What is adipogenesis? Creation of new fat, creation of fatty layers. So this is going to suppress adipogenesis. Increases energy expenditure via thermogenesis, stimulates fat excitation, and activates AMPK, the master metabolic molecule regulating how cells process energy. We have two types of fiber. We need both of them to some degree. Uh, so this was a long time in the making. Optimus got to microbiota through polyphenolic stimulation. So this fiber here is very rich in polyphenolic compounds. And so uh, this box here has 14 packets. So if you, if you take two a day, it's enough for a week. You don't have to take two a day and go along and just take one a day, but we designed it for specifically for people who don't want to have this jump start system after two weeks of the program uh, to lose weight, stimulate proper you know, uh, production of proper uh, bacteria. So we have a whey, collagen, and pea protein. And we have one more thing, and we're done for today. And that is the my products and protocols. Uh, how do I load this now? This is the last thing. And it's not going to be too long. I'll try to finish exactly by five. Microbiome fiber. Uh, these are the things I use the most in my practice that, that has to do with anything with uh, gastrointestinal tract, GI Resolve. I like that this product contains no fillers of additives of any kind. There are five, six products on the market that are somewhat similar but still do not have all these ingredients, but this has no fillers of, of binders. The philosophy was use the best and dish the rest. It gonna, it's going to heal the epithelial tissue, this tight junction is going to be repaired. It contains a lot of glutamine, which is important energy source, helps to maintain integrity of the intestinal tract, 
regular intestinal barrier function and shown to stimulate the growth of the small intestine mucosa and also enhances ion transport by the gut. And acetyl glucosamine, it's very important to emphasize this is shellfish free. Glycosaminoglycans are attached to mucin, help form to protective barrier that separates bacteria from the intestinal epithelium. But look at this bonus on the bottom. It's found to be anti-aging and also acts as a food for bifidobacteria, NAG. MSM, we discussed that. It's very anti-inflammatory. reduces inflammatory processes. Aloe vera leaf has been used for a long time for oxidative stress. Okra is a mucilaginous herb and has potent antioxidant properties and exhibits strong gastroprotective property, uh, coats and soothes the intestinal lining, but also exerts a cytoprotective mechanism. Uh, zinc carnosine. This is a very unique zinc. It has been used in Japan for 70 years as a prescription drug. Now we have United States patent issue. I told you there are three patents, but Angela corrected me. There are four patents in various products, so this is one of them. Now, in Japan, it was registered for a long time, but now we have a United States patent for this. And patent was related to oxidative injury. Uh, zinc carnosine activates NRF2 signaling pathway, supporting healthy inflammatory response. It has over 70 years of usage as a prescription drug. It has the ability to repair tissues in the body. So these are my protocols. Uh, just very, very briefly, uh, I'm gonna give you an expanded version later. For gastritis, I use gastrozyme. So clearly, if you have something that is related to the stomach issues, we do the gastrozyme three, three times a day. Biodemotion forte, I use usually about 10 to 20 drops a day. Bio ADEK, usually about five drops a day, and Bio Omega 1000. Uh, I forgot to add here that gastrocyte uh, contains a vitamin U factor, which is very important for the healing of the gut. For acid reflux, I use Bio HPF and berberine. I use much more than that to give you really the kind of the shortest protocol. Uh, food allergies, I use IG, BioC Plus, Biomega 1000, hemp oil. I also use something called Histoplex and Histoplex AB, which I didn't add here, but you can add, add this in your notes. For constipation, I use laxes and magnesium, or both. And you're gonna get all these slides, so uh, just uh, Angela's, just grab Angela's card at the end and send email, uh, or we probably have email in your office when you register, so we're gonna send you the slides so you can study this at home in more details. Uh, GIA tract support in general, so this is my general protocol, not for specific disease, but kind of a support for pretty much anything. Uh, GIA resolve, and you don't have to be sick to use this. I mean, I used it for several months when the product came out, it's a really wonderful product, just for general maintenance of your gut. Uh, HLEs, I don't use this every day, but if you have any stronger meal, I, I may use that. 
especially because of astringent herbs. Biosix Plus, I don't use this often. These are digestive enzymes, but I do use for people who are, have damaged digestive system, but not forever. This is a short-term product for me. Hydrogen, the same thing for hydrochloric acid. Now, if somebody is over 60, 70 years of age, and they really, because of the aging process, do not produce enough hydrochloric acid, we may use this more often. Biodof 7, we use extremely often. Uh, Laxis, Vegizine, those are professional botanical products I use occasionally for digestive support and constipation. Mgzyme, IPS is intestinal permeability support. We often use this for small intestinal tract. Uh, Colon Plus is a fiber we use often. And uh, I use now biofiber and this product, microbiome, metabolic biome, a lot as well. Uh, so last thing I'm going to explain here is uh, food combining, and we're going to be done here in two minutes. I told you there are so many books written on food combining. To me, it's extremely important to understand its water habit and that you're eating your fruits alone. You know. So hopefully, with whatever we said today, we understand better mind-body connection salivary process connection, that 2% of saliva has profound library of information. Not only do we can use it for testing, but we can use to understand that we can enrich saliva and how the triggering mechanism and signaling mechanism is going to affect everything else in the body. Hopefully we understood better how choosing to be joyful can affect small molecule growth how choosing to have proper fiber can affect what kind of army in your body you're feeding, you know? And hopefully, in my mind, I challenge you enough, forget about your patients now, that you yourself, in the next two, three months, are gonna utilize all this stuff and then apply this to your patients as well. And we're gonna go again to the whole uh, detailed, understanding of GI tract, but hopefully these highlights are gonna change how you live your life and how you eat and how you behave. Uh, I have talked to a doctor many years ago who asked me a lot of questions. Then when I asked him finally, what kind of supplements do you take? What kind of habits do you have? And he told me, you know what, I'm, I don't like supplements. <laughs> and, and the di dietary habits were pretty bad. And I realized there's not much we can talk. So if you as a doctor, do not like supplements, do not like to apply all this. It's not gonna work. So everybody who comes to my home, I willingly and readily open my fridge, open my shelf. Take a look. Do you wanna know how to eat? You need to be first example. Take a look. One of my friends came once uh, from church as a guest, and she was in a pretty bad food habits, and she opened the fridge. She said, you're so boring. There's nothing unhealthy to eat here. It's all healthy stuff. It's such a boring life. But it's not boring. To be super healthy is not boring. You know? Actually, my life is extremely exciting. Because if you live healthy lifestyle, you're going to be like a child. You're going to be very happy. And you're going to be happy from, from morning to evening. So actually, it's very exciting to eat healthy lifestyle. So I'm challenging you today to apply all this stuff, and by the time we have next lecture in September, hopefully you're gonna come and tell me, yes, I did all this stuff, and yes, I feel happier as a person. 
So thank you for coming and attention, and I'll see you in September.